Thank you, Craig. Um, if you've got one of these sheets, uh, you'll need that just now. We're going to look at that. Um, you should have got it as you came in through the door. Uh, all these pithy little sayings that we're going to read of, they're from the Bible, from the book of Proverbs, and I've got the chapter and verse reference there, just so you can see that I've not made this up. Uh, let me just read through this uh, sheet, this collection of Proverbs. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. Whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed by peoples, abhorred by nations. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. With patience a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps the thing covered. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flows the spring of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Well, all those little sayings there are from the book of Proverbs in the Bible. And the book of Proverbs has one big purpose. It's to teach God's people how to live wisely. It's not a book to tell you how to be a nice person. It's not a book telling you, teaching you morals, but it's a book that's there to teach you wisdom. And wisdom is, is when you've got two choices in front of you, and they're not necessarily um, one moral choice, one immoral choice. Maybe you've got two moral choices in front of you. Wisdom is knowing what is the right choice to make. Wisdom is knowing what are the right decisions to make. But, it, but it's more than that as well in the Bible, and especially in the book of Proverbs. Wisdom is about how to live correctly in God's world. 
It's about understanding who God is and this world that he's made and living correctly in light of that. That's why the the fundamental, the kind of baseline for all wisdom in the Bible is the fear of God. You see that all throughout the the book of Proverbs and all the wisdom literature. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Knowing God, understanding God, um, having that reverent awe before God, that is the base point for biblical wisdom. And wisdom in the Bible is to be one of the most passionate and noble pursuits of a Christian. Now, this evening, what we're going to do, I want to do a case study through one of the the big themes in the book of Proverbs. Um, Proverbs is an exegetical preacher's nightmare, um, because if you know the book from chapters 10 through to chapter 30, all it is is just a a series of random sayings that don't seem to be connected at all. Um, And the reason I think Solomon did that was because, well, it reflects what life is like. In life, we can't compartmentalize wisdom. If you want wise friendships, you need to have a wise approach to anger, which means you need to have a wise approach to humility and so forth. And so it all fits together as one thing. Now, although that is the way that it's structured, uh, it's helpful approach to, to kind of understand what this book is saying, to take some of these themes and see what the book as a whole says about it. And so the theme that I want to look at from the book of Proverbs tonight is the biggest theme in Proverbs, which is the theme of speech. There is a lot of Proverbs on speech, on what we say, because often what we say is a basis to determine whether or not we are wise or foolish. And tonight these proverbs will, well, I really hope, I really hope they will get under your skin. Speech is an extremely important and often neglected part of being a Christian. And I really think this will benefit the whole of of St. Peter's. If we had wise speech, if we had a community of people where where everyone was wise in what they said to each other and what they said about each other, that would be a wonderful place to be. So here's three questions I want to ask about speech that I think the book of Proverbs will will help us and will answer for us. Um, Firstly, why does wise speech matter? Secondly, what does wise speech look like? And thirdly, how do we do it? Why does it matter? What does it look like? And how do we do it? And it's great to see some guys from Spy here uh, this evening because the book of Proverbs was originally written to a teenager. Um, So this should hopefully be very practical and very helpful for you as well. Firstly then, why does wise speech matter? Why is there such a huge emphasis, not just in Proverbs, but in all the wisdom literature in the Bible, and indeed in the New Testament of the Bible, why is there such a huge emphasis about watching what we say? Simply put, it's because words have tremendous power. Look at the first three Proverbs on your sheet there. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked it is overthrown. So you can destroy cities with your speech. There's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. In Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So there's a power in what we say to 
both destroy and build up. A power that can hurt or a power that can heal. A power that can bring death or a power that can bring life. Words, what we say, has a tremendous bearing on us. They can have a a destructive impact. They can destroy us physically. Literally, words can kill. Think about the impassioned speeches of, of Adolf Hitler in which he managed to convince hundreds of thousands of people to believe in the cause of the Nazi party. Or think about people who have been tormented by so much verbal abuse that they have taken their own lives. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. That's why there's so many proverbs on this issue. It's not just physically, but emotionally, words can be destructive. Proverbs 12, verse 18 on your sheet there describes rash words as being like sword thrust when someone insults you or makes fun of you or when, when someone gossips about you. It causes damage. It's, it's, like, being, it's like being hit with and thrust with a sword. And you can take the sword away. You can take the words away. But the wound that they leave lingers on. What people say about you, what people say to you, really does matter. And there's a kind of lie in, in, our, in our narcissistic culture that says, you don't need to listen to what others say about you. You just need to listen to what you say about you. Look, can, can we be honest? That's just nonsense. What others say does matter. It matters so much. People can pierce your heart with their words and cause real damage. Gossip and and insults and slander can do more damage than any physical ailment. And as well as being damaging physically, as well as being damaging emotionally, words can be damaging communally. Cities have been overthrown by the power of the tongue. I've, I've not seen that. I've not seen uh, that happen. But I tell you what I have seen. I've seen churches destroyed through careless speech and unwise gossip. I've seen it devastate communities. God hates the misuse of our speech. In fact, in Proverbs 6, it's not on your sheet there, but there's a list of seven things that God hates, that God abominates, and over half of them are to do with what we say. He hates it when we speak foolishly. But these words also have the power to exalt. They have the power to heal. Words have the power to give life. Look, sometimes just going up and and speaking to someone can have a tremendous impact on them. I've seen that happen in, in church. You know, uh, the amount of times when, when I worked for a church in Edinburgh, and I'm sure it happens here as well, that I would speak to people and ask them, why did you come here? Oh, it was because so-and-so came and sat down and spoke to me. When encouragement is offered, when advice is given, when truth is declared... It can restore and it can heal and it can help people so much. We need words. Do you know one of the worst things you can do if you're, if you're in a relationship with someone 
is to give them the silent treatment. Because we need words. What you say matters. And what we say as followers of Jesus really matters. Not only do we seek to love others by caring for them in our words, but we seek to tell them about Jesus. We have the words of life. That's how the gospel goes out to the ends of the nations, through what we say. We proclaim salvation, not through actions, but through the words that Jesus gave us to proclaim. And our actions serve to adorn those words. So you see now why in the book of Proverbs, there's a lot of Proverbs about wise speech. What you say matters to God. It matters because our relationships are shaped by our speech. If we are to love our neighbor as ourselves, then that will be often manifested in how you speak to them and about them. It matters because speech is a powerful tool that if we misuse it, we can devastate others or misrepresent the name of God. Whereas if we use it well and wisely, we can bring life and truth to others and exalt the name of Christ. God cares about what we say, so we need to be wise in our speech. Okay, secondly then, what does wise speech look like? What does wise speech look like? How can we speak in a way that that pleases God, that loves others, that builds up his church? Well, I think Proverbs picks up on four key things about our speech. And I've got them there on your sheet and in the outline there. Um, And by the way, as we look at this, if you're here and you're a Christian, I want you to imagine, just right, imagine this from this past week. Imagine that you had a secret little tape recorder around your neck that recorded everything that you said. Everything that you said, both privately and publicly. And imagine playing that back and holding it up for everyone to hear today. To hear what God says about our speech. Think about it. Firstly, our speech has to be careful. Wise speech is careful speech. Look at the Proverbs there. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. That's difficult for me. That's a difficult proverb for uh, someone whose job it is to speak. uh, And I like to speak a lot. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. You'll know, like me, that the times that you have regretted saying something are the times when you have just made off-the-cuff remarks. Times perhaps where out of anger you spoke impulsively. Learning to to restrain your tongue, even if you're convinced that, that you are absolutely in the right, learning to hold back and to think very carefully about what you're going to say, that is extremely wise. And this, I think, needs to be applied in our modern era of communication, not just to speech, but to email and to social media. So if you're angry with someone or or you feel that someone's just been incredibly unreasonable and, and your emotions are heating up, it is not a good time. It is never a good time at that point to send an email. You see, in responding to people, Taking time to think about what you say makes a huge difference. 
Sometimes the best thing is to, is to say nothing at all. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. I love that. And I love Proverbs 18 verse 6 as well. A fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. We all know that guy. Being on nights out with that guy. Few well thought out words are better than many. It's hard for me because, as we would say in in, in Scotland, I'm a blether. I like to talk. But if you're careful and if you take time to think about what you say, you can avoid foolish talk and potentially damaging situations. If you are tempted to respond to someone who you feel is in the wrong or, or out of hand, think about how what you say could help them. And don't try and just justify yourself, which is what we want to do. When we speak rashly, it's because we're proud and and we're selfish and our pride is taking a knock. Don't justify yourself. Listen to what they are saying. Proverbs 18 verse 2. Isn't that a great proverb? That needs to be the tagline for Facebook. Facebook is the, the cesspit of careless speech. If you use Facebook, think of Proverbs. Proverbs 18 verse 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, only in expressing his opinion. That's a proverb that my generation desperately needs to hear. Listen to what others are saying. Respond where appropriate. Sometimes it's best just to keep your mouth shut. But be careful. Is what you're saying going to help that person? That's a good question to ask when thinking about being careful in in our speech. When I responded to that person, did I show that fundamental gospel ethic of loving my neighbor as myself? Secondly, wise speech is honest speech. Wise speech is honest speech. Being careful doesn't mean being a pushover. There are times where we need to be straight and and honest with people. Honesty is a hallmark of wise speech. Now look at Proverbs 12 verse 22. Look at how strong the language is here. God is not talking about adultery or theft or sexual sin. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But those who act faithfully are his delight. How does God feel about lies? It's an abomination to him. In fact, if you were to look through the book of Proverbs, you'll see this phrase, an abomination to the Lord, is used always, always, in the case of speaking falsely and being deceptive. I did a little search on it on Bible Gateway. It's always used in that case. And notice that it doesn't say here that that some lies are okay. It's one of these sins that we we might think is acceptable if it's just little lies. It's what what Jerry Bridges would call uh, respectable sins, a lie, isn't it? In fact, we might not even do outright lies, but we might deliberately distort or withhold the truth. It's just deception. It's the same as lying. And it carries the same motivation behind it, doesn't it? A skewing of the facts for what purpose? To make yourself look good. It's dishonest and it's shameful to God. And why does God hate it so much? Because it's satanic. 
The devil is the deceiver. Falseness and deception, that's, that's his tactics. And you see that right at the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis. He lies. He, his lies create a wedge between man and God and sin entered into the world and, and fractured that relationship. And whenever we lie to people, we create a wedge between them. A dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. Lies are poison to relationships. They kill friendships and they wreak havoc in marriages. But being honest doesn't just mean that we we don't lie to people. Being honest means that we are willing, where necessary, to point out what is wrong in others, what is wrong in society. But, but, we have to do it with no sense of superiority, but with a genuine desire and love for these people. We take this with the other Proverbs. We do it carefully. We do it gently. But look at Proverbs 24. It's really interesting. Whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed by peoples, abhorred by nations. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. We think that, that the only way that, that we can be nice to people today is we have to affirm everything they believe. That's not true. It's not wise. That's total folly. It's not loving. It's selfish. There are times when people are doing stuff that is wrong. And if we are to be honest about what we believe, we have to tell them. And Christians have bottled it on so many biblical issues because they're afraid they might offend. They've even gone so far in some cases to declare right what God has declared to be wrong. And that is dishonest. And this is something we need to be aware of, especially within the church. If someone is doing something that is wrong, if someone is doing something that is sinful, it is so important that we tell them. Not being judgmental, not being inappropriate. Sometimes you need to be quiet yourself and you need to let others do the talking. Sometimes you need to hold back. But if you truly care for someone, you'll tell them if they're doing something wrong. I say this as someone who's been on the end of many a rebuke. It is a good thing to have someone come and speak to you who you know is not going to flatter you or tell you things falsely, but will tell you honestly when you are doing something wrong. That's a good thing. Thirdly, wise speech is to be gentle. That honesty must go hand in hand with carefulness and with our third point, gentleness. Wise speech is gentle speech. Look, the way that you speak to people is so important. That's why emails and and Facebook posts are not the best way to communicate. And, And certainly not if you're trying to be honest with people. Because it's really hard to read tone into a text, isn't it? It's hard to convey gentleness through, through writing. You need to speak face to face. If there's someone who is angry with you for no good reason, then the way that you answer them can have a huge impact. Proverbs 15 verse 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, 
but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. See, my experience is that when it comes to, to honesty and gentleness, uh, we, we, we struggle to, to find that balance. So people who are, who are good at being truth tellers, who tell it plainly, tend to often do it in quite an aggressive and, and foolish way. That's not wise. But people who are, who are seeking to be gentle and, and, and kind tend to dumb down and not stand up for the truth. And as such, being dishonest with what they believe. But biblical wisdom is having both those things. Here's how you would know if you were gentle and honest in what you said to someone. It would be if that person said about you, you know, I don't agree with what they said, but they have treated me with such kindness and love that I know that it was painful for them to tell me. Don't underestimate the importance of gentleness. Don't underestimate the importance of gentle speech. It can make words of honesty, sweet words of healing. Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. And they can be the most powerful forms of persuasion and the best way to break through hard hearts. With with patience, a ruler may be persuaded and a soft tongue can break a bone. Fourthly and finally, what does wise speech look like? It looks like building other people up. By the way, have you realized that, that what we've been saying about speech is all about how we relate to others? Speech is the best way, like I was saying at the start, it's one of the best ways to, to gauge whether or not we are truly loving our neighbor as ourselves. And all these proverbs are designed to help us build others up, not tear them down. Remember what we were saying about, about the power of words. The most devastating way you can tear someone down is through slander and through gossip. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. Look, we love gossip. We we live in a culture that that feeds on gossip. And it's hard. It's hard when you're in the staff room. It's hard when you're in the office. It's hard when you're at university and everyone's talking about that person. Everyone's talking about someone else. It's hard not to join in with that. It's hard because it's everywhere. And like I said, it's devastating in a church. It's devastating in a church. We're singing praises to God with our tongues, singing all for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. And then in the car on the way home, did you see so-and-so today? I can't believe what they said to me. You know, I find that person really annoying. If we've got nothing upbuilding to say about another person, then it's best not to say anything. Think think before we speak, even if it's just to your spouse. Because we do love gossip. We love it. Look at Proverbs 18, verse 8. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. And they go down into the inner parts of the body. Gossip is like a Pringle. That's the Andy Robertson version of that proverb. It's like Pringles. Once you pop, you can't stop. It tastes so good. 
and we want more. That's why if you hear gossip, if you hear slander, don't join in. Not in a self-righteous, look at me way. Just walk away. Don't try the appetizer. It's detestable to God. Utterly detestable. How dare we speak ill of those formed in his image, made and loved by him. God hates gossip and ridicule. And if we don't hate what God hates, not only will we start to tolerate it, but we'll begin to love it. It's a big sin that we need to be wary of. I say that to myself. Speech is for building people up. Use it to encourage people. Ah, the gift of encouragement is a wonderful thing in a church. Encourage people. Speak to the newcomers in this church. Encourage people around you with kind words. And the best way you can speak truth into their soul and encourage them and build them up is to speak the truth of Scripture in a way that's appropriate. Speak the gospel. Speak about Christ. Speak that into their lives. An apt answer is a joy to a man in a word and season. How good it is. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. We need words. We need people to talk to us. And when the right word comes, it's a beautiful thing. It happened to me this week, uh, the other week, just being in a, in a real state of discouragement and difficulty. And a text from, from a guy I knew um, who used to speak so wisely, just sent me a text, an encouraging text. How beautiful a thing it is, how apt it is a word in season, and how that helped me. More precious than anything else. Okay, thirdly then, how do we do this? <laughs> it's no point. Go and do likewise. That's not what the book of Proverbs there is. This is not a list of, this is not moralism. How do we do this? It is worth, though, thinking about all these Proverbs at the end of each day. That's why I printed these off. It's good just to, I mean, you can go and look them up for yourself, but it's good to take that home and just have it there. Um, it's the kind of collective material on, on speech and Proverbs. But it is good to ask yourself, was I careful in what I said today? Should I have kept quiet? Was I honest with people? Did I shy away from the truth? Was I gentle with others or was I aggressive and harsh? Did I engage in the gossip of others and, and the slander? Or was I actively trying to seek and build people up in the church? But let me tell you this, and this is absolutely essential. Willpower alone will not change your speech. Willpower alone will not change your speech. This is not moralism. This is not moral advice to make you a nice person. This is the hallmarks of a new person who's been changed by Christ and the gospel. This is not advice for all people, but for people who have been changed by God. We need the right words to say to others, and we ourselves need to hear the right words. How? Well, there's a clue in the book of Proverbs. Look at the final two Proverbs on your sheet. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the spring of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. How do you speak wisely? From your heart. 
There needs to be a fundamental heart change. Solomon knew that. All this speech comes from the heart. And it was that concept that Jesus picked up on. Just as we close, grab your Bibles and I want you to go to Matthew Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. And it's on page... 978, if you've got one of the Burgundy Bibles, uh, the church Bibles. Matthew chapter 12. And let's read from verse 33. See how Jesus picks up on this, on these Proverbs. Make a tree good and its fruit will be bad. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be justified. And by your words you will be condemned. It's out of the heart that the mouth speaks. Why do people lie? Why do people gossip? Why do we distort the truth? Because there is something fundamentally wrong deep down with inside all of us. There is a brokenness in our hearts. We lie, we gossip because we love to exalt ourselves. Because we want to look good. Our hearts are rotten. And that kind of speech is symptomatic of a heart problem that we cannot change. But that is why Jesus came. He came not just to expose that heart problem, but to fix it, to give us new hearts. He came, as C.S. Lewis said, not to make nice people, but new people. And that is what he does for us. How? He does so by paying the punishment our sinful hearts deserved as he died on that cross. So all those times that we have misspoken and that we have done stuff that is abominable to God, Jesus pays the punishment for it. Jesus pays the price that we should be paying And he gives us his righteousness. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus. He gives us a new heart. He changes us. A new heart with new desires. How do you know you have that new heart? You want to live and speak for Jesus. So if we are to be wise in our speech, how do we do it? First of all, look to Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. He's wisdom personified. Colossians 2 verse 3 says that in Jesus are found all the treasures of wisdom. Look at how he speaks in the gospel. Jesus spent his ministry speaking, but he also knew there were times where he should be quiet. When he was on trial with false accusations flying at him, he remained silent and did not retaliate. There was never anyone so brutally honest in his speech as he called out the religious establishment for who they were. You brood of vipers. And yet there was never anyone so gentle that even the children would run to him. A man whose words literally healed and brought life. A man who is the word sent from God to tell us about God. Look to him, but not just to his example. Look to what he has done for us. 
what he has done to our sin. It says there, Matthew, by your words, you will be justified. It says they're acquitted. It's not a good translation. By your words, you will be justified. It means as the apostle Paul says that if you believe with your heart and you confess with your tongue that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. No matter what, you will be saved from your sin because the most important thing that any of us will ever say with our tongues is Jesus, I trust you. You are Lord. Forgive me for what I have done. And so here's the thing. If you're not a Christian, don't try and sort your speech out without first of all letting Jesus sort your relationship out with God. That needs to happen first. You need a new heart. And when you know the love and the grace that he brings... When you understand that there is always forgiveness, that you are always accepted, the more you understand what he has done for you, the more you'll be transformed to be like him and to speak like him and to love like him. You see, moralism makes you a slave to performance, but this grace Jesus gives, this grace frees you to love. It frees you to fail but keep trying. It frees you to speak words of life and healing. Delve deeper into this gospel and to understanding Jesus. That's how we can speak like this. It's the only way. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this great, treasure of wisdom that we have in your word. Father, things maybe we thought as respectable sins, things that we had glossed over, help us to see that you find them detestable in your sight. When we are careless with how we speak, when we spread dishonesty and strife and when we tear people down, help us to be like Christ in whom all the treasures of wisdom are found. Help us to speak like Christ. Help us understand what he has done for us so that through that knowledge of his unconditional love and acceptance, we will be motivated to live in a way that he wants us to live, to speak in the way that he wants us to speak. And Father, I pray that that this church community will be marked by wise speech. Have mercy from where we have been careless. Have mercy for the damage that we might have caused. And show us our sin and help us to repent, to bring it to the cross and to change. Thank you that we have your Holy Spirit, that our hearts have been changed and we have all that we need for godliness. And so help us to be wise in what we say. And may we give constant praise to Jesus in all things. In his name, amen. Well, let's close by singing a great hymn, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. Uh, this is a great way to use our speech, to use your tongue, to praise uh, this great and wonderful Savior that we have. Let's stand and sing as the band begins to play.